and welcome, 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 welcome back to Fired Up, your weekly discussion of politics right here on WJMS Radio. Hi, this is Steve. I'm your host, and each week we look into the what's under the hood with our political system here in America, and uh, we got a lot to cover this week, so let's dive right in, okay? So, starting off, uh, it has been a busy couple of weeks on the Democratic campaign trail. Uh, We had the South Carolina primary, which happened uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, which presented a resounding victory for former Vice President Joe Biden over the field of candidates that remained in the Democratic race. And uh, buoyed on by the overwhelming support of the African-American community in South Carolina, Joe Biden won that primary, walking away over uh, his opponent, Bernie Sanders, and the other uh, candidates who were running, including the first election uh, primary appearance by candidate Mike Bloomberg. Uh, we're going to talk about the candidates in the race in a few minutes, but just uh, be aware that you know Bloomberg had put a lot of money, uh, by some estimates, as much as a half billion, with a B, dollars into an advertising campaign. Uh, Although he had not appeared on any of the ballots to date, uh, he uh, obviously was skipping the first four uh, primary events and was focusing his attention uh, on the races coming that following Tuesday, so-called Super Tuesday, where a total of 14 states were holding elections. Uh, In that contest, uh, Joe Biden won uh, nine of them. Uh, Bernie Sanders won uh, four, and uh, in in his first appearance, Mike Bloomberg actually won one of the primary races, although it was in American Samoa, which netted him a total of nine uh, electoral delegates. So it's really been an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, as I said, the uh, South Carolina went overwhelmingly for Biden. Biden won the majority of delegates out of the Super Tuesday contest, and uh, now we head into the next round of primaries that are going to be occurring in about a week, and the expectation is that Vice President Biden's going to ride the momentum that he has gained so far and uh, looks to maybe further cement uh, his hold on the lead in the delegate count for the Democratic nomination. Uh, By the way, in order to be the party nominee of the Democratic Party, uh, once uh, the convention occurs, which will be in July in Milwaukee, uh, the candidates need to amass 1,991 total delegates in order to win the the, uh, nomination of the party. That number represents, you know, 50% of the available delegates plus one. And, you know, right now, as I said, Joe Biden is in the lead with some 660 delegates. And Bernie Sanders is coming in second uh, with 573 delegates. So it is coming down to, from a delegate standpoint, that it is uh, a two-person race. And what we learned following the Super Tuesday uh, elections was that an additional three candidates dropped out of the race 
including uh, Senator uh, Amy Klobuchar, uh, former Mayor Pete Buttigieg, and uh, Michael, Bloom Michael Bloomberg, former mayor of New York. All three of those dropped out uh, just after the Super Tuesday voting. And subsequent, over the next day or so, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts dropped out of the race as well, uh, partly you know, for lack of progress. Uh, she also did not actually win in her home state of Massachusetts. She came in third behind Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Uh, and so, you know, that has brought us to the last, well, technically three, because uh, Hawaii Representative uh, Tulsi Gabbard is still in the race, although she has not performed uh, to any great amount. She only has a handful of delegates and, you know, probably will drop out of the race in the coming weeks. Uh, which leaves a two-person race, essentially, for the Democratic nomination between former Vice President Joe Biden and Vermont Senator uh, Bernie Sanders. So, you know, after starting out with some two dozen Democratic candidates, we have seen the attrition take effect, and we have seen the number of candidates now down to just two. So what does that mean in terms of what's going on with the democratic system, what's going, what's the progress that's being made. The progress is as expected that we are coming down as we head toward the convention in July, that we will have a convention that uh, hopefully is not going to be what's called a brokered convention where there will be multiple ballots and the super delegates will have to weigh in. Uh, that one, either Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden, will achieve the uh, relevant number of votes they need in order to secure the nomination of the Democratic Party. Some things to note as we look back and analyze uh, what occurred on the Saturday South Carolina primary and on the Super Tuesday group of primaries around the country. And although we don't have a solid, firm number on voter turnout, Early indications are that the numbers that uh, voted uh, do not look to be significantly higher. They are higher in some states and not in others, but you know the expectation was that this race was going to generate a huge turnout roll over prior elections, both the 2018 midterms and the 2016 presidential cycle, uh, and at least as of you know, the, the date of this show, those numbers have not been solidified to show substantial gains. In most states, we have seen uh, high single-digit to low double-digit increases in voter turnout. Uh, we have seen some significant uh, movement in certain segments of the voting population, particularly African-American and people of color, such as Latin, Latinx and, and so forth. But, you know, the expected flood of new voters or additional voters has not yet been proven to have materialized. So one of the things to keep in mind is, you know, results are preliminary in terms of voter turnout. However, what it does tell us is that 
you know, as far as the Democratic campaign is concerned and voter turnout for Democrats is concerned, we need to get out there to vote. We need to move the numbers uh, to significant levels in order to lock down not only who the Democratic nominee is going to be, but also to gauge and engage that momentum toward the November election if the Democrats hope to defeat the incumbent president uh, in the uh, in the final election. So, you know, if you are a Democratic uh, or vote Democratic, you absolutely cannot sit back. You know, even if your primary is over, you must stay engaged. You must keep active and engaged with the campaigns, uh, especially as we come down to now having two candidates left. We really have to focus on what the two candidates are talking about, what their positions are, communicating to them what our wants are for our president, uh, for our party, for the Democratic Party, uh, in, in, in how the platform will be developed and what the policies are going to be. Uh, you cannot afford to you know, rest back and say, okay, quote, my guy is in, or you know, uh, you know, my candidate uh, has endorsed either Biden or Sanders. So, you know, the work is done. The work is definitely not done. And for those of you who supported candidates who are no longer in the race, uh, realize that, you know, in many cases, they have begun to pledge their support to either uh, Biden or Sanders. Uh, which means, you know, in the convention, those delegates are going to vote for either of those two candidates. So, you know, the support needs to be present for whoever the ultimate nominee is and also to make sure that we are supporting what is transpiring in the Democratic Party and that we are communicating and making sure that that message is getting transmitted up the chain so that the Democratic Party is aware of what the people who are voting to put their candidate into office, what it is that they are looking for and what it is that they expect. So let's think a little bit about what does it mean now that you know, there are two primary candidates left for those of you out there who may have supported Elizabeth Warren or you know, Pete Buttigieg or Mike Bloomberg or Amy Klobuchar or Kamala Harris, or Cory Booker, or any of the candidates who are no longer in the race, uh, but you know they were your candidate. Uh, what does that mean for you in terms of you know what do you do going forward? Well, again, if the goal of the Democratic Party is to defeat the incumbent president, then whoever the nominee is. Uh, is the person that the party and the electorate is going to need to support. Uh, if your candidate is no longer in the race, it is very important that you don't you know, lose interest, lose that momentum, and decide to you know, say the heck with it and stay home and not vote. Uh, that is part of the reason why in the 2016 election, the Democratic candidate uh, did not garner enough votes to secure the presidency was because many people just decided that they they just couldn't stand either candidate and decided not to vote. 
ultimately, you know, we the the Democratic Party needs to unite around their candidate, and we need to have that high voter turnout in order to ensure that you know the Democratic candidate has the best chance to be successful. Now, you know, the the political odds makers are still uh, betting that you know Donald Trump will in fact get reelected. Uh, especially if Democrats do not get out to vote in large numbers. Uh, as, as we've talked about in prior episodes, uh, the Democrat and independent segments of the voting population outnumber the Republican segment by about a two-to-one margin, uh, maybe slightly more. What that means is that if a substantial number of Democrats along with a significant number of independent but Democratic-leaning voters uh, show up to the polls and exercise their right to vote, uh, statistically, the Democratic candidate should be successful in the presidential nom- uh, election. Now, in, in order to make that happen, you know, that turnout has to occur. So, you know, we're going to be talking about this over the course of, of the months as we go, you know, through spring and into summer. Uh, when we get to the convention, we'll obviously we'll be talking about what the political process going on into convention is all about. And, you know, as we then move into the, the wind up to the general election, obviously we'll be talking about the Democratic and Republican sides of the issues and, and like that. The important thing is, please don't lose that energy. Please don't lose that momentum. Even if the ultimate candidates uh, that are that remain in the hunt for the nomination are not the candidates you initially supported, remember what you know. The Democratic Party's uh, you know secondary goal is here is to regain the White House. Uh, the Democrats want to, you know, unseat the incumbent president, you know, have a Democratic president. And, you know, that's going to segue into something else we're going to talk about in a minute uh, when we get into the down ballot. As we've said before in prior shows, the November election is not just about the president of the United States. It is about congressmen, senators. It is about governors in the states. It is about state legislatures. It is about state senators. It is about uh, mayors and city council members and school board members and town council members and all kinds of people on what is called the down ballot. The people who are listed on the ballot below the president and vice president uh, electoral boxes on when you go into the voting booth. And as much as The election for president is very important, highly important. Equally, if not more important, are those down-ballot races because more of the things that impact our daily lives are done at the state level rather than, you know, directly by the federal level of government. You know, the state legislature will be working through the next couple of years on redistricting and reapportioning the federal representation of the districts uh, in Congress. Uh, there are also, you know, there are also elections that are being held 
for other positions, such as your mayor, your city council. There are locally elected judges that will need to be selected that are going to be presiding over the courts in your area. All of these people play a vital role in, in our day-to-day existence here in the country, more so than the, the federal elected officials do uh, directly to us. Does the president impact each of our daily lives? In some ways, yes, he does or she does. Uh, do you know Congress and the Senate in Washington impact our daily lives? Yes, more so than the president because they write the laws that we have to live under. Uh, they also work with the president in terms of appointing and approving judges both to the Supreme Court and to the federal bench, the, the federal district courts and uh, the courts of appeal, they make those lifetime appointments that are going to impact laws and adjudication of those laws for decades to come. So it is important that we are engaged at all levels of the electoral process from the very local level all the way up to the federal level and that we are doing everything we can and everything we are supposed to do as citizens of this country through the process of voting to make sure that our government reflects our wishes and are doing what we uh, want and expect them to do. One of the things that is vitally important, whether it's at the national level or the local level, is that our elected officials understand that they are there because we voted them in they are accountable to us, they work for us, and it's not the other way around. So, you know, please make sure that you, you stay focused on what's going on with the election at your local level all the way up to the national level. Uh, stay committed, stay engaged, stay active, don't lose momentum, and definitely don't stay home because, you know, your initial candidate is no longer in the running. Uh, the, the overall objective still remains to make our country be what we expect it to be. Uh, so that, that just goes to stress again, and, and we're going to talk a little bit uh, more about the down ballot in the upcoming segment in a moment. But first, we're going to take our first break here. Uh, you're listening to Fired Up. My name is Steve. I'm your host right here on WJMSRadio.com. We'll be right back after the short break. Electoral votes, more than 270, more than enough to become the 44th president of the United States. He will be the first African-American president uh, of the United States. I've been broke all my life, but I kept hope all them nights. You see business in my city? Yeah, they closed all them twice. I was just riding down Salem, all them damn potholes I can't drive. I know y'all can fix it faster, but I know y'all won't try. Don't nobody care about us. And that's why I don't vote. Voted for Obama back in 2012. I remember that's when I had hope. He was saying, yes, we can. And everybody got less food stamps. And when I turned 21, I was still broke. I'd never vote again. I don't think I ever had a president make my life better. Did it all on my own. Ain't no politician ever do a nice gesture. I don't even know the man's name. I ain't never seen him one time ever. Tell me how she gonna help the city. What I'm supposed to do, write letters? What I'm supposed to do, blame Trump? He ain't never really gave up. Uh, ain't nobody raised minimum wage. None of these jobs pay enough. I think they just want to keep us broke. 
place for us. This how all my people feel, but we gotta learn. We complained enough, let me change it up. Everything I just said, everybody I know think the same way. See, they don't wanna see us vote, and we never do, so we see the same thing. But all our votes really do count, and they'll never really let it show. So now I'm finna break it down, cause if I don't, you would probably never know. First thing first, you know back in middle school when they taught us, it was three branches of the government. We forgot it when we got older. It's the judicial, the legislative, and executive. But all we know is the executive. That's the mayor or the governor and the president. Now, none of them three people make no laws. They just be checking them. The laws come to their desk, and all they do is say no or yes to it. So when the news station tried to tell us that Barack Obama couldn't put us on, we was all Saudi at Obama when it was the Congress members all along. We got to focus on the legislative branch. Yeah, they the ones that make the laws. Yeah, they the ones right how much food stamp money you get on the car. But when people that wanted to help us, wanted the job, I know they probably lost. Cause we ain't even know they name, we ain't know they face, we ain't know at all. So the Congress or the State House, that's legislative, they make laws. So what we want from the president is what they do, okay, y'all? See, they election every two years, but we don't never even go to those. The Congress, they can raise minimum wage, but we ain't even really know it, though. So you know how back in 08, when we all voted for Obama, we was all supposed to go back in 2010 and vote for the Congress. Cause they the ones make child support laws. They the ones choose if your kids at school get to eat steak or corn dogs. The State House make the court calls. So if the country failed, then you can't say it's them. It's your fault, cause y'all ain't know to vote for Congress members that was for y'all. And they don't gotta leave after four years, and we just let them sit. See, they don't wanna tell you this, they want you to focus on the president. Now, the third branch is the judicial, that's judges. They the reason why John Crawford and Trey Vine had justice. So when Meek Mill got locked up just for popping willies, we blame the judge and not the city when they let her get voted in, cause they ain't know who to vote against. Imagine life on the other side. Roads better, schools better, everybody get their license back, grocery store food better, custody of your kids back, homeless people get new shelters, if we gon' fix the U.S., we gotta start with them two letters, me and you, somebody told us that the government wanna keep us broke, but the only reason why those people in the government is cause we ain't vote, and I ain't talking about the president, I'm talking about the ones we ain't know, see they was gonna try to keep it low, but it's gonna hurt them when they see the pros. Every time you stay home, someone is making a decision about you, making decisions about the air you breathe, the water you drink, the food your kids eat, and how much money you bring home every two weeks. So every time you sit out an election, every time you don't show up because you think it doesn't matter, someone else is happy that you didn't show up so they can make that decision for you. Vote. And welcome back to Fired Up right here on WJMS Radio. And uh, in the first segment, we covered uh, the just concluded uh, primary elections uh, happened in South Carolina and then Super Tuesday where we had 14 races. And we are now down to two primary candidates uh, for the Democratic nomination, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, uh, along with a distant runner in Tulsi Gabbard who has uh, not really generated a lot of delicate interest uh, or voting uh, to date and still don't know what her status is going to be in the coming weeks. Uh, Wanted to move and continue what we were talking about at the end of the first segment where we were discussing the importance of the down ballot races that are occurring uh, again in November along with the presidential race that's going to occur. Upcoming in the 2020 uh, election cycle, we're going to have a total of 11 governor's uh, seats in the country that are up for re-election. 
and they include Delaware, Indiana, Missouri, Montana, New Hampshire, North Carolina, North Dakota, Utah, Vermont, Washington, and West Virginia. Four of those seats are currently occupied by Democrats and seven are occupied by Republicans. And they will be uh, up for re-election on, uh, in November uh, along with the national level political offices, president, vice president, Senate, and House. So if one of your states or if the state you live in, if that governor is up for re-election, then you know, let's make sure that we're getting out and finding out what the incumbent governor stands for, whether they are Republican or Democrat. And you know, if they are not uh, aligned with your uh, beliefs and wishes, then obviously you exercise your vote and make that change. Now, some things to keep in mind here as you know, we proceed through uh, the year 2020 into 2021, the census is going to be occurring this year as well, and governors play a key role in working with their state legislatures on things like redistricting, uh, apportioning uh, funds that are received from the federal government uh, to projects and activities and needs in the state, as well as overseeing the appointment of state-level judges. So, you know, these elements are important to you, then it's important that you stay connected and stay in communication and engage with the governor's office to make sure you understand what their positions are, what their platform is. And if it doesn't match the way you want your state to be run, then you exercise your vote and make a change. So, you know, there are also state legislatures that are up for re-election as well. You know, and, and on and on down the ballot as we go from the state level to, you know, county level. There are county offices that are elected. Uh, a lot of times states have judges that are elected as well as appointed. And these elected judges have to campaign. They've got to convince you why you should select them to be the judge in your state or, you know, in your uh, county. Um, you've got your mayors your school boards, your city councils, your, you know, town selectmen, you know, the, the range runs all the gamut of elected offices that, you know, we have to be aware of, engaged with, and understand where they stand so that we can make an informed choice when we go into that voting booth. You know, it is part of our civic responsibility. It is part of our you know, citizenship in this country that we exercise our right to vote. Uh, and one other point to keep in mind that not all of these elections may occur in November. Many states have elections that are occurring throughout the year and they happen for a variety of reasons, whether a you know, retirement from an elected uh, seat, a removal from an elected seat or something may create an opening that needs to be filled by an election. If you want to find out what elections, aside from the national election, is happening in your area, I recommend that you go to a website called Ballotpedia.org. That's B-A-L-L-O-T-P-E-D-I-A dot org. And you can enter and select your state uh, down to your county level and see what elections are going to be happening through the course of you know this year 
that you should be engaged with. Some additional resources that you can use uh, if you have not yet registered to vote, uh, you still have time to do so in, in almost all states and you can find out the information you need, the requirements that you have to meet and you know, what you need to do in order to get registered if you go to www.vote.org. Uh, those two websites provide a wealth of information on the registration process, the elections processes that are happening, and it's really a very important way for you to start your process of becoming engaged in the political actions that are going on in your local areas. Remember, you know, part of what we have to do as citizens is make sure that we are holding our elected officials accountable to us for what they do. And the only way we do that is by getting out to vote and by following up that vote with communication and engagement and attending the meetings and speaking to your representatives when they hold, you know, open meetings. You know, everybody at the, 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 the federal senators, the federal Congress people, your state legislatures, your local uh, elected officials, all hold periodic meetings. One of the key things we can do as voters and as citizens is to be present at those meetings to ask questions, to make sure these representatives understand that we want to know where they stand on these issues, and if we disagree with them, to hopefully give them reason why they need to change their opinion. The most important thing to remember is that they are accountable to us. They work for us, and the more we are in their face, the more we are present with them and talking to them directly, uh, the more we are in communication with them and their offices through you know, telephone, email, text messaging, you know, comments on their webpage, whatever, the more they realize that they are being held accountable and the more they will be responsible to what we want. So the ball is in our court. We have to exercise our right. And that exercise starts with getting out to vote, starts with uh, being an informed voter by doing the research, by gaining the knowledge, by getting the information you need in order to make that informed decision when you go into the poll. So, you know, there, there's a lot to do, uh, but it is very important that we do make the effort to get this done. One of the things that I've noticed over uh, particularly the last few months, but over the last uh, year or so, is there is a very large lack of information coming from the national media and even some of the local media on what's going on at the state and local level. Uh, they do report when, you know, the legislature makes decisions or, you know, uh, holds a vote on a particularly important piece of legislation, but there isn't a whole lot of coverage that is being given that I've seen. Now, you know, keep in mind, I'm in one place in the country and I, I don't see everywhere, but even my research online shows that, you know, much of the media is focused on the top level election process, you know, the president, vice president, and so forth and doesn't pay a whole lot of attention to what's going on at the local level 
uh, especially if you're talking about television and radio in, in your area. Now, one source that does seem to keep up with this in, in detail is the print media. So don't ignore your newspapers, you know, your magazines, and, and so forth as a source of information for you to learn how your elected officials feel about particular issues of concern to you. There's always information in your local newspaper about what the school board is considering, what the town council is considering, what the county board of selectmen or whoever, uh, what legislation or what actions they are considering doing. That information is, is well covered in your local print media, but may not make it out onto the social media platforms that many of us uh, follow these days. Uh, as well. So, you know, as we always say here on Fired Up, in order to be informed and educated, you've got to dig in. You've got to dig in to get the facts. You've got to dig deeper. You've got to dig wider. You've got to make the effort to go out and gather the information you need in order to make the smartest decisions possible when you go into the voting booth or when you go to those council meetings or those meet the candidate meetings and so forth. So, you know, that's part of what our assignment is as citizens in this country. So let's make sure that we are, in fact, doing that. Let's go out. Let's find the resources we need. Let's not just accept, you know, what one side or the other side is saying. I believe I said in, last, uh, in the last show that, you know, it, it is often a good thing to actually listen to the other side as to what they're saying. Not necessarily that you may agree with them, but there may be some facts that they are presenting that are not being presented. And as with anything else, when you have multiple sources of information, the truth is generally somewhere in the middle. So the more sources that you follow, whether it's you know Democratic or Republican or liberal, progressive, conservative, and so forth, the more information, the more understanding, and more knowledge of the facts of whatever that, that situation is that you're interested in can be presented to you. So, you know, you've, you've got to expand your horizons. That's part of that dig wider that I often talk about. So, that's a lot to, to digest. Uh, it, it seems like a lot of work, but if you really are concerned about where our country is going from the national level all the way down to the local level. If what the schools are teaching doesn't seem to match what your, uh, your wants are as a parent, if there are you know, decisions in terms of incarcerations, in terms of law enforcement, in terms of biases and prejudices and racism and how that's being handled, if those things aren't being done the way you want, then part of your recourse is to address them directly with your elected officials to make sure that they understand that this is not how you know, we want our locality to work or we want our state to work or we want our country to work. And the way that we do that is through engagement. And engagement is critical. And if I can, I'm speaking to the younger voters here. You know, it's, it's one thing to have, you know, a hashtag in your messages and get that, you know, going out and create, you know, retweeting or, you know, reposting 
uh, comments from you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever media source or social media source you're following, the next level beyond that is to turn that, that uh, movement into action, is to get engaged and be out there and making sure that you are communicating your needs. And then finally, to, to finish off that follow-up with getting out, getting registered, and voting what you believe in. So I, I can't stress that enough. That is something that we have seen in the, pre in the past election cycles where you know, young voters, 18 to 34, had the largest percentage of non-voting but registered or eligible to vote people in both the 2016 and 2018 election cycles. If you want this country to represent you as you move forward into the future, you've got to take that and, and run with it. You've got to make that part of your action strategy. So, you know, get, get informed, get out there, get registered, and get to voting. All right, so let's take a break here. We'll come back and do our second uh, segment break. And when we come up, when we come back from break, we'll wrap up our show uh, and do our call to action and some final notes. And we'll see you right after the break. You're listening to Fired Up. My name is Steve. I'm here to give you information and help you make an informed choice. We'll be right back after this break. third segment of our show this week and uh, we're going to take a little bit of, of a right turn here. I want to talk 
uh, and kind of bring back a few things that we've talked about over the course of this show uh, pretty much from day one. One of the things that uh, focus on with Fired Up is looking at the, the mechanics, the behind the scenes of how our political system does or does not work. Uh, there are a number of things that we've talked about over the weeks that we've done this show including such things as gerrymandering, voter suppression, uh, disenfranchisement, uh, you know, all kinds of elements that are put in place to affect the outcome of political elections in this country. Um, there's another segment of the games that politicians play, and this involves, you know, what happens to legislative bills and laws that are voted on by the U.S. House or U.S. Senate and um, what becomes of those bills. Recently there were some articles in mainstream media, uh, particularly uh, going back around the time of the impeachment process going on with the president, where you know, accusations were made that uh, the Senate was sitting on some very important legislation that they would not pass primarily because they were brought forward by the democratically controlled House. And in researching this, I have found that there are between 185 and uh, about 300 plus bills that are sitting in either the House or the Senate, which are being delayed under technicalities of being reviewed in committee or so forth, but which are really just political games being played by you know one party against the other and you know in in doing this not only you know are they delaying the the passing of these laws and moving them up for the president's signature but there are are bills there that impact you know a lot of americans you know every day um, one of the ones and and it's it's kind of particularly important to me um, at, at a personal level uh, is one that would limit a, a bill that was passed by the House and is sent to the Senate for passage and, you know, passing up the line to be signed by the president into law, calling for uh, regulation and control of drug pricing in this country. And, you know, to, to give you a, a little bit of background and why I said this one is, is important to me is, you know, I, I happen to be uh, a type 2 diabetic. And, you know, that requires me to test and take medications, uh, pills right now. And, you know, I'm working very hard to keep it at the type 2 level if for no other reason than the insulin needed for type 1 diabetes treatment can range anywhere from $800 to $1,500 a month uh, for someone to have, even with insurance. Yet there is a bill sitting in the Senate that would impose uh, caps as to, for co-pays and so forth and other measures that would help to reduce the ridiculously high cost of medications in this country. Uh, because medication costs so much here in America, many Americans actually go to other countries such as Mexico or Canada 
to buy their medicines uh, or get them through black market sources, which is, is risky and dangerous because of quality issues and so forth. Now, I say all this um, not you know, to gain you know, sympathy or empathy from you, but really to point out that part of our being diligent and part of our being engaged with our political leaders is to encourage and basically tell them that you know these important pieces of legislation whether it's you know cost limits on medications or you know uh, there's a, a bill there that would you know progressively raise the minimum wage to $15 per hour which has been much discussed in uh, the last year or so uh, over the course of six years there are bills that would uh, limit uh, you know the use of military force without the strict approval of Congress which is something that is supposed to be in place but needs to be strengthened and, and further enforced uh, there are all kinds of bills in this collection uh, that are sitting in the Senate and in the House that need to be attended to that need to be voted either up or down and need to be moved along the process one of the ways we as the voters make this happen is by communicating with our elected officials on what bills that are pending and what bills need to be acted upon. You know, we need to be reaching out to them by phone, by mail, by email, uh, you know, in person, you know, at meetings, at uh, town halls that they hold and so forth. You know, this is all part of our being engaged with our elected officials as citizens of this country. Uh, this is something that should be on everyone's agenda. If you uh, go to congress.gov, there is a list of bills that are pending before the Senate and the House that you can look at, that you can see and you know develop your opinion on and see what you want to do or what you want to have Congress do with them. You know, these bills uh, could be saving lives. You know, people, you know, with, with the type 1 diabetes are doing all kinds of things because of the high cost of their medication. They're using, you know, cheaper, undocumented uh, or unregulated alternatives. They are doing things that put their lives at risk. So, you know, something to keep in mind uh, as part of our process of being engaged with our elected officials and having them do what we sent them to their position to do is to be our representatives, to do what needs to be done on behalf of the American people, not on behalf of, of the lobbyists, not on behalf of big pharma or you know big oil, big gas, whatever, but to be representative of the people of the United States. And this is neither a Republican nor a Democrat issue. You know, these types of, of situations don't care about which party you belong to. It affects all of us. And so it is up to all of us, whatever party, to make sure that we are engaged with our elected officials on a regular basis and keeping them informed that we are watching them. So, you know, just, just something to think about, something to be engaged with, you know, more reason for you to get out, make your vote count, do what you need to do in order to advance, you know, what needs to happen. So, 
just wanted to do that little bit of editorializing at the start of our segment here. Uh, usually at this point we do what is called our call to action and we're going to get into that in, in a minute. Uh, you know, one of the things that is you know, important for us as citizens is to be strategic in how we approach our elected officials. That is to have a plan in mind of what we want to accomplish with them. So if you're going to your city council meeting and your concern is about the condition of the streets you know, in your local area of your city or town, then it behooves you to have pictures or documentation of these conditions before you go into the meeting so that you can hand it out and give it to the individuals on your council so they know and are understanding what it is that you are talking about. Well, the same thing goes forward as you talk to your governor's office, as you talk to your state senator's office, your state congressman's office. Same thing goes with as you communicate with your you know, congressional level office and your Senate level office in Washington. You want to be strategic in how you approach them. You want to have an end in mind as you begin the conversation. You want to have documentation, proof, facts that that bear up your argument so that you can hand them that information or email that information so that they have it and they know what you are asking them to do. So strategic thinking is part of our call to action. You know, just like being registered to vote, just like making sure that we, you know, are prepared to answer the census when that those documents come out later on this month. All of the things that we talk about in our call to action segment are part of a strategic plan and a tactical plan to advance the, the real political agenda in this country, which is not the agenda that our politicians profess. It is the agenda of the people. It is the agenda of you and I as citizens of the United States that we elect our officials to address for us. These are the things that we need to be engaged with. So, you know, every week in the call to action, I've talked about, you know, being uh, registered to vote and participating in the census. Well, I'm overarching all of that this week with a call to action to become strategic in how you approach your government. Go with a plan. Go with a strategy in mind. Go with you know, the information, the facts, what you need to prove your case, and make sure that they understand what it is that you are asking of them. That is the strategy that we need to take with whatever action that we are going to do. Once we get beyond just having the talking points, we need to have that plan. We need to have that action steps, those action steps that we can hand to them and say, Mr. Senator, Mr. Congressman, this is how we need to get this done. This is what is needed in my community. This is what I need you to do. And that means that it's, it's you and you know the people in your neighborhood, the people in your town, the people in your county, the people in your state. You need to make sure that you are speaking with them, that you are engaged with them, and that you are having these conversations on a regular basis so that they keep it in front of their mind and know that you are watching them to make sure that they keep it front of mind. So 
those are the uh, objectives. That's how we want to proceed. Uh, you know, it's it's all about you know being engaged and and being educated and informed and getting the information and getting to the facts and getting opinions from both sides of the argument so that you understand what the discussion is going to be about. That's how we begin to turn this process around and rebuild and re-strengthen our country both from an internal standpoint but also how our country is perceived by the rest of the world that here the United States of America has returned to its position as a leader in the world based on what it does not just what it says. So on that note we will conclude our show for this week. Uh, it's been great. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it each week. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me through my email address, which is firedupradio at yahoo.com, or I tweet from at rufiredup, that's A-R-E, the letter U, fired up, uh, on Twitter, uh, or you can visit the Facebook page where I post information, notes, links, charts, and diagrams, etc., related to what we talk about each week here on Fired Up Radio, and that is facebook.com forward slash fired up radio. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I appreciate it. This is Steve. The show is called Fired Up. The station is wjmsradio.com. We look forward to talking to you again at same time next week. So until then, I will see you in seven days. Have a good week, everyone. message wherever you stand calling every woman calling every man we're the generation we can't afford to wait the future started yesterday and we're already late